0: Good morning, and welcome to Cloud Cafe from 56Bit. I'm Patrick Camilleri, and today we are discussing the fascinating world of Amazon S3. Hello everyone, welcome back to this S3 deep dive series. This is our final episode, which will focus on S3. We have a pretty packed one. We're going to be discussing S3 best practices. We'll be discussing monitoring and logging. Um, as well as things like how to use S3 in different situations in life, as well as integration of S3 with other services from AWS. So let's do it. Whatever you're doing on AWS should be monitored and locked, meaning there is a trail of information showing you how and when something is being used whether that is a backend system whether it is a database or whether it is static data on S3 you should switch on monitoring and logging when it comes to S3 it is very easy to monitor and log who when and how your data is being accessed you can even lock things which identify whether you have personally identifiable information PII we call it these things will improve the data that you have in front of you allowing you to make decisions of how to improve things like cost optimization performance security etc there are multiple options to monitor and log s3 the most basic one is switching on what is called server access logging it's basically a simple button where you switch it on And you say, okay, I want all my logs to be sent to a different bucket in the same region. And every call that is made to a specific bucket will be logged in this other bucket. That is any reads, any writes, and ultimately you can go through that data, sift through it, and get out the information you need to make your decisions. There are other ways of doing this as well. You can use the S3 console, which has an amazing dashboard showing you your biggest buckets, the ones accessed the most, where your data is stored, in which tier it is stored. If you want more security-related logging, you can use CloudTrail. This is a different AWS service that integrates well with S3. And from there, you can see who and when and by what means that data was accessed. Then you have CloudWatch. CloudWatch is another service from AWS, which allows you to see metrics and even logs from different services, including S3. My suggestion when it comes to monitoring S3 is to always have a list of what you want to achieve. So don't go out there and say, okay, I want to know every single request that comes to S3. That is possible, but don't start from there. Instead, say, I want to know when S3 has gone down in terms of performance to a specific level. So, if that performance goes down a bit, you will know, right? Like that, you have a goal for monitoring. And then there are tools which allow you to set up alerts when you go below that goal. Now, let's talk a bit about how to manage data. In S3, in terms of best practices, you have multiple ways of Structuring your data, you can use different buckets. Buckets are free to create. It's the data stored inside them, which is obviously you have to pay for. So you can use as many buckets as you want, as long as each one has a unique name. You can tag buckets. Tags are just pieces of information that you attach to a resource, like a bucket. You can attach tags to specific data in S3 as well, not just the buckets, but also the data you store inside. You can do this even automatically you can add tags every time data is uploaded to s3 then you can access that data based on tags based on the different buckets you can do searches into s3 by file name. and that allows you to have different ways of accessing the same data in the way which makes sense most for you for your use case let's also talk a bit about cost optimization As with everything in AWS, you pay for what you use. The more data you put in S3, the more you're going to pay. And so making sure that you pay the least amount whilst having the biggest value, that we call cost optimization. Now, if your S3 data is minimal and you're spending a few cents a month, it may not even make sense to cost optimize. Just leave it there as it is and let it run. But once you start increasing that spend into the hundreds, into the thousands, tens of thousands, at 56-bit we have clients with hundreds of thousands of dollars per month spent on storing S3 data. Once you get to, the, to that level of cost, cost optimization becomes essential to reduce your, the cost whilst leaving the value as high as possible. What can you do to decrease costs yet leave that value high one thing you can do is analyze using monitoring and logging you can start getting a good picture of where your data resides in which region in which buckets and in which tiers are being used per bucket so for example if your data is in the standard tier and you are not accessing it all you're only accessing 10 percent of it all the time the rest you're accessing it once a month then the rest make sure that you put them in a different tier like s3 in frequent access maybe you can move some data to the archive tiers there are today options to retrieve archive data in milliseconds as well so it's not always an issue about retrieval time you need to ensure that the data is in the right tier and you can do this Automatically using the intelligent tiering, you can do it automatically using lifecycle policies, which we discussed before. That's probably the biggest one, where you can cost optimize, making sure they are in the right tier. But then you have also the element of networking. Moving data around from one region to another might cost a significant amount. Sometimes it is cheaper to move data to a different region using S3 cross-region replication, then actually accessing that data directly from a different region from your application my suggestion here is to always monitor your costs ensure that you're not saving data which is not required ensure the data is in the right tier and when monitoring you can get good information on how to proceed and improve on how to cost optimize in aws the real power comes from integrating multiple services together we see it like a puzzle where you have multiple pieces which work well on their own but once you join them together it really becomes magical s3 can integrate with a lot of services there might be integration which is out of the box which you don't have to do anything except switch that feature on there might be integration which you might have to work a little bit more for it using, for example, AWS Lambda. That's the first one we're going to talk about because it's really powerful. Whenever you upload a file to an S3 bucket, you can trigger a Lambda function. What is this? It's just a piece of compute. So, for example, we upload a file on S3, say we have data about our inventory, we upload it to S3, that triggers Lambda automatically. Lambda goes and processes that file, and saves the data into a database. Now you could do this with a server, but the server will always be switched on. So to reduce price, to reduce costs, that means cost optimize, we trigger Lambda instead of using that server, and Lambda, you pay for what you use, to the nearest millisecond. So every time you upload that file, you are using Lambda, but no more than that and i can assure you that if you do this 10,000 times a day the cost will be in the sense literally very very little cost then you've got integration with other services things like cloudfront which is a cdn a content delivery network this allows you to cache the resources the data in s3 it allows you to save it closer to your customers and leave it closer to them so they can access it faster. You've got integration with Redshift. Redshift is an AWS service which is a data warehouse. This allows you to run queries on the database in a more structured manner than you would do it just with S3. There is integration with IAM. That's the service which allows people to access your data or blocks them from accessing the data. It's the authentication and authorization service of AWS. This is used throughout AWS, including S3. You can go very deep and have very specific policies allowing or disallowing people and applications from accessing your S3 data. Then there is S3 transfer acceleration. This integration allows people storing data away from the S3 region, and allows them to upload to S3 using faster methodologies, using a CDN, basically, using CloudFront. When uploading, they will upload in a faster way because you're using the AWS global network rather than the public internet. Now, let's talk a bit more about how you can use S3 in day-to-day life. We can use it as a digital library, right? That's the first case study where you have a library of digital resources of data. Now, how that library is accessed, it's up to you. You can make the, pub- the bucket public so people access it directly. You can make it available to an application to access that library. You can then stream that data out to users. So, if you have videos stored on S3, you are streaming it through, for example, CloudFront or other methodologies, and it becomes a streaming service. You can use S3 as a simple, static website. Websites have a lot of different forms, but there are technologies like React and Angular and Vue, which are known as static websites. These run on the browser. They don't require a server. The only thing that they require is somewhere where that HTML and the, what makes the data run the, what makes the website run is saved somewhere. And that somewhere can be S3. Then with the integration with CloudFront you can cache that front-end static page or pages you cache them um, near the users where they are in the world. We can store our data and archive it for the long term. That's another good S3 use case. Archiving is very cheap and very reliable. We can use S3 as our disaster recovery site where the data stored on premise is replicated to S3 on the cloud in a reliable and durable fashion and then that's where really you can use cost optimization to reduce the price of your disaster recovery site in general anything any data which is considered static which doesn't change that much then you can use or rather you should use S3 and with that we are going to conclude our 3 Deep Dive series. Thank you for joining us throughout this exploration. Please do join us again for our upcoming episodes. We will delve deeper. We'll discuss a lot more about other various cloud topics. Until then, happy cloud computing. To stay connected and never miss a beat, be sure to follow our podcast channel for the latest episode. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn to know more about all the updates in cloud and to know more about our upcoming webinars and events.